end of the year. You know, it's hard for me to do topics, but I'm, I'm on it this morning. I like this one because I love to preach. You love to teach. We love to live that there's always a way to win. There's always a way to win. Well, you don't know my situation. Well, you may not know my Jesus because there's always a way to win. The Word always has a way out. Well, it doesn't have six ways. Well, you only need one. Well, it looks, it looks impossible. It'd be a little bitty percentage of things that'd get me out of this spot. Just need one. I said, you just need one place to escape and to get to the other side. So there's always a way to win, and I'm going to give you a key to that this morning. We are in a society, in a culture, where leaving and quitting are common. I saw on TV last night where it says, uh, it was was an Allstate commercial, and said Americans are the most mobile people on the planet, that we, on an average, move 11 times in our lifetime. Why, you got to put wheels on your furniture if you're moving 11 times. And they say five times is equal to a fire for your furniture. So, you know, we're, we're all dealing with... <laughs> well, anyway, so we're in, a bit, we're in a big culture of transition all the time. We're, we're, we're leaving and entering, leaving and entering. And that's with... Uh, with our jobs, that's with marriage, that's with our town, that's with, you know, we're, we're, a le- we're a quitting and starting over. But the Word tells us that really that all quitting should be by revelation. When you quit something, it's by revelation, not by pressure. You're supposed to stay in your place until He says it's time to go. Did you get that? You're not supposed to quit till He says quit, but... When he says quit, you better get your giddy-up on and get ready. I'm telling you, I was in West Texas. I had a church for 14 years. Good church. Good people. West Texas people. All my family's right there in the county, in the county. And uh, uh, I'm getting a check every week. The people are coming back every week. You know, in our kind of church, everybody votes with their feet. They don't like you. They don't vote on you. They just don't show up. So we're doing good. Everything's good. And the Lord starts talking to us about leaving West Texas. And this is foreign to us. This is like Arabic or uh, Kudakistan or something language. We don't, we don't get this. But he just kept pulling on us, gnawing on us. And so finally, uh, he made it clear through a series of things that it was time to go. But it was by revelation. Something like 15,000 pastors a month in America quit. Because the pressure is so immense. It's just a, it's a, a, like the song says, it's a long ways to go and a short time to get there. Well, that's the way a lot of pastors are. It's just it, because it, the churches aren't set up right and all that stuff. Lots of pressure. But you shouldn't quit. You know, quitting cuts off the path to victory. Because a lot of times you're on a path and, and, and you're just one day away from winning, but you don't know how far away and you think, well, this could be 20 more years. But actually, it's tomorrow. But if you quit, you never know, do you? So we're supposed to stay put until he says. But when he says, you have to go. So with no apparent crisis, no apparent, you know, they all thought, well, I, you know, my marriage is gone or my money's out. Or they all thought things because nobody quits until there's a crisis. But we quit by revelation. We loaded up. My mother said, well, where are you going? I said, well... We prayed about this, and it's Alabama. Well, who do you know in Alabama? Well, nobody. <laughs> I knew one traveling guy that came through, kind of like Ronald comes through. I knew, and he lived in Birmingham. And so I said, well, what are you going to do when you get there? 
Uh, the Lord said to travel. Well, have you ever traveled? No, ma'am. Do you know anybody to travel to? No, ma'am. Do you have any money? Well, I have $3,000. I have a $560 car payment. The U-Haul is uh, $1,200, and uh, uh, the, uh, the place we're going to rent for a month is $1,100. And her lightning brain began to calculate and said, you, you ain't got much to go much. But I'm telling you, it's by revelation. And I'm telling you, I can't tell you how I can tell you, but I, we not only made it, but we flourished. I wouldn't tell anybody to do that. I would, I would say, please don't. But when the Lord's in it, you ought to quit to restart. You can't. The, you, everybody wants to grab the new thing before they let go of the old thing. But you can't do it. You have to let go. Faith lets go because it knows some stuff about God. So I want to talk about uh, 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 being a finisher. Point yourself with me and say, be a finisher. Be a finisher. It doesn't matter if you're doing it. If you're, no matter what we're talking about, if the Lord leads you to something, be a finisher. He's well able to tell you it's over, it's done, let's move on. He can do it. And so uh, we ought to be a finisher. The only time that you ought to not finish by revelation is, uh, is never. You ought to finish because that's where the prize is. The Bible says, Matthew chapter 25 says, if you're faithful over a few things, he'll make you what? Master and ruler and administrator over many things. That's the kingdom. So you have, to, you have to finish little things, stuff that nobody cares about. We don't care if you finish that. Well, that's, no, that's nothing to me. It's not even a big deal to you. Oh, I, ah, but you got to finish to qualify to restart at a higher level. It's not about efficiency, it's about obedience. It's about getting in the plan so he can take you somewhere you've never been. It's not by natural means, like, well, you know, if I do this and do that, my job will do this and do that, and if I do... No, do what God says. Get on his program and walk it out. Amen. I'm reminded of the Lord Jesus himself. What was he doing on earth for three and a half years? <laughs> The day-to-day -day stuff was extraordinary. They tried to kill him, left and right. Every day they tried to kill him. They tried to trick him. They tried to, uh, they tried to, you know, they tried and tried and tried. And his whole challenge is just like ours. He's our example, is to get to the finish line. Because nothing mattered about what the Lord Jesus did if he didn't give his life the right way for you and me. He had to finish. And even in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, he put it to the Lord. He said, Are you, is this the way we're supposed to finish this? If, if the cross is not it, let's, let's talk. <laughs> let's, you know, and we've talked about this. He couldn't, die, he couldn't die but one way. He had to give his blood. So it couldn't be that he got strangled or got hit with a rock or got, you know, or fell down and broke his back or something. He had to die by, not by the cross, but by the shedding of blood. It was his blood that changed everything for us. Not that he died on a cross. That, the word talks about cursed is he that hangeth on a tree. And so he became a curse so that you and I, he finished that, became a total curse, so that we could be finished in being a total re, new creation in Christ. He finished so we could start. If he hadn't finished, if he'd got three years and, and three and a half years, but he just went off into oblivion. It wouldn't have done a thing. All his teachings, all his blind eyes, nothing would have mattered until he finished. 
and he finished his course. Matter of fact, on the cross, you know what he said. It's finished. He did the work. So we've got to do the work. And it says in 2 Timothy chapter uh, 4, I'm just going to point out a few things in the Word where, where this is known. Verse 17, uh, verse 7, excuse me. It says, I have fought a good fight. So Paul's telling his son in the faith, Timothy, I have fought a good fight. There's a fight to finish. Well, I want to fight that I want to finish with something that's not hard. Well, the reward's not much. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. The word finish there means paid off. Finished my course. I have kept the faith. The word my course there is talking about his calling, his particular path. Paul had a different path than you and me. We can't do what Paul was called to do, but I can't do what Justin's called to do or Joey's called to do or I got to do what I'm called to do. I got to finish my course. The, the worst thing in the world is when someone tries to emulate someone else and try to finish their course. Well, I want to be a singer and look at that. I'm going to do what they did. You'll fail. Because you got to finish your course. If you finish their course like they finished it, you won't finish yours, and there is no reward. There is no way out. You cannot win unless you finish your course. So if you're called to be a great speaker and win thousands and everything, do that. But if you're not, don't do that. Do what you're called to do. Get in line with your calling. Finish it. Well, I think I should be further along. Well, maybe you should. Maybe I should. I've thought it many times. Have y'all ever thought about, you know, nothing's moving. This is the same old, same old. That's part of finishing your course because everybody can finish something that where, where you give them a new task every Monday and they finish that thing and what's my task the next Monday? You give them that and they finish it. But what about the one that you Monday nobody, no new task shows up? Oh, that'd be hard. I might just sit down because I don't want to finish something I've already done once. Ah, there's the test. Can you stay in the fight? Can you run the race? Can you finish your course? It's boring sometimes. Sometimes it's the same old, same old. Do it again, do it again, do it again. I've been preaching 38 and a half, almost 39 years. And look at the crowd. Bothers me none because I'm on course. Are you on course? You need to finish. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Would you turn there just for a moment? We're going to look at a few scriptures here. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at verse 24. Paul is telling the church at Corinth, which was a bunch of babies. The church at Corinth was a bunch of babies. He says that in chapter 3. He said, uh, he said you guys are just a bunch of jerks, just a bunch of babies. But then he went around, and then just down the road, he tells them about the gifts of the Spirit. He talks to them about uh, winning their... He talks about all these spiritual things, and yet he tells them, y'all are, are not even real mature men. But in verse 24, he says, Hey, church at Corinth, know ye not, don't you know, that they which run in a race run all. Everybody starts. But one receiveth the prize. One finishes. Point yourself with me and say, hey, you, finish your race. He said, so run that ye may obtain. Be a finisher. Be a finisher. Don't slack off. There's more people backslid in Tuscaloosa County 
than people that are not saved. The people that are not in church today are not because they're not saved. It's because they're backslid. They didn't finish what God put on them. They got bored. They, got, they saw some preacher do a bad thing. They saw some elder or some Sunday school leader do a bad thing. They, they saw, they saw, they heard, they heard. They even got zinged themselves. Everybody's got a story. I've got, some, I've got several stories about good men and women that did bad things, and I saw it. Of course, I don't know if they repented and went on to be a Billy Graham or whatever, because I just saw that and got messed up and went off discouraged and quit. Why should you and I quit because somebody else doesn't run their race? That's just almost crazy. Why should I quit because they wouldn't finish? Because if I quit, someone's going to look at me and say, if he doesn't finish, why should I finish? Oh, my, the responsibility is bigger than I knew. Yeah, I saw a deacon, and, and I saw beer in his, uh, his pickup in Hobbs, New Mexico. I saw, I looked in there, and I said, that looks like Delman's truck. And I looked in there, and there was, uh, um, Lee County was wet, and Gaines County was dry. So we all had to go, you know, we, I say we, the whole county that wants to drink, had to go to New Mexico. And so there it was, a little six-pack. Boy, I stumbled over that. I got mad. I got upset. I was tempted to quit. Because after all, after all, after all, I put him on a standard. But what's that got to do with me? Jesus never failed. He finished. And he put something in me, and he told me, I got all of me in you. You got more than enough. There's plenty in you from me, so you can finish. So I, who knows? He may have threw it out on the way home and said, I repent of this, Lord. I hope nobody saw. Real good preaching. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Hebrews chapter 12. Let's look at this. The Bible tells us to finish. Well, let me tell y'all. We'll read this scripture, and then I'll tell y'all. Wherefore, verse 1, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Ah, there's something been launched against you finishing. I thought it was just me and the tree. I thought it was just like it's not hard at all to finish. After all, if heaven gave you a course, a, a plan, a thing to finish, it ought to be easy. How many of y'all know we're in the world? Even though we're not of the world, we are in this world. And John 16, 33 says, Jesus said, uh, he said, in the world, that's where we are. He said, ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Get happy about it, because I have overcome the world. The greater one in you, he said, has got this. Well, I'm feeling a little puny and a little weak and a little sad, and it's not going very good. It's hard. Well, yeah. On the outside, if you don't tap into the inside, it is hard. That's why the world is just crying and carrying on, because it's hard. But we got this down in here. Got this down in here. We're going to live off of this in here, not this out here. Yeah, Jesus said, you're going to have trouble. Rise up and go over the trouble. Or just blow through it and you didn't even notice. He said in verse 2, excuse me, verse 1, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. I'm telling you, I am, I am oblivious to liquor. 
My parents never did, and I, and I never have, and I, nobody in my family, well, in, anyway, you never know what your family's doing, but anyway, I, I'm just, I was going to say, it doesn't bother me a bit, but the person sitting next to you might go, I struggle with it every day. And you go, well, how come? Well, their parents this, and their friends that, and going to college this, and that, and all that. You can't judge that. You have to say, I got victory over that, but over here, I fall down easy every day. Are y'all, are y'all here? So you can't throw a rock at somebody that has a little habit or has a little weakness or, you know, just stay in your lane, they say now. Stay in your lane and whip everything. Lay aside every weight that does so easily beset you. And don't crow about something else over there where they're down. It doesn't help you for them to be down and you to be up on that when you're laying down on something else. And the sin which so easily besets us. And let us run with patience. Let us finish the race. That's why you would run with patience. Galatians 6 says, uh, don't be weary in well-doing. You're just jogging along in the race. Man, I am tired of this race. I want to go over there where the Olympians are, and I want to go over there where this is going on. I want to go over there and be a fancy race. No, you run your race. I'm reminded about Moses that was so gifted. He's in Pharaoh's house. He could do anything. He could be the big dog forever. But he, you know, got acquainted with who he was, found out, killed a man, and he had to leave town. And he was on the backside of the desert for 40 years. You can read about it. It's in Exodus. He's, he was banished. 40 years. Why would he be over there? Would you think he was finished? No, he was getting ready to finish his race because the Bible says that God was working stuff into him and working stuff out of him. He had the burning bush thing. Y'all know about that? He had his father-in-law. He had the Ethiopian wife. He had kids. Everything was normal. But he had to get ready because he was a particular, uh, on a particular course. He had been in Pharaoh's house, so he was one of only a handful of people in the whole world that could go into Pharaoh's house and speak to Pharaoh. They didn't get within two miles of Pharaoh's house if you weren't a former son. And God had him work out stuff and work in stuff so he could go into Pharaoh, the only man that couldn't say, let my people go. Took 40 years to work junk out, being mad at God and being mad at this. Y'all know about being mad at folks? Y'all know about being disappointed in God? Y'all know about saying, well, I tried that faith stuff. I spoke to a mountain and it didn't move. Therefore, and then after that, what you say is going to hurt you. Therefore, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm wrong plan. Wrong plan. So Moses was 40 years, nothing happening. And then he came back and finished. You go, well, 40 years, that's a long time, whatever it takes, because that was his course. That was his race. It wasn't Jethro's, uh, is that was his brother? Jethro, it wasn't Miriam's race. It wasn't, it wasn't doodly-doo. It was Moses' race, and he had to finish it himself. Well, you got a race just as powerful and just as important as Moses. And we don't know if you're going to stand before a Pharaoh, because 40 years Moses didn't know. It was hid from him. He thought he was one and done. Thinking you're one and done is a mistake. God's got a course for you. 
He's already gone ahead and stored up the supplies, the people that'll help you, the situations. He's picked you out a good wife or a good husband. He's got you in the right city. Everything is converging on putting you in the place that God's got for you. It may look like other people. They have a job like I do. They live in a house like I do. They got kids like I do. Everything looks the same on the outside, but your DNA has been set apart that at the right moment, you're going to pull the spiritual trigger and it's going to change the world. And only you could have done it. Sounds pretty important to me. Well, I want flashing lights along the way. Well, yeah, you wouldn't be in faith then. You'd be a rock star. They say Elvis Presley told God. I don't know. You know, I wasn't there and don't know anybody that was. But they say that he told God, I'm going to serve you. I know you have a calling on my life. My voice is yours, but I want to go get famous. I want to get this out. I want to scratch this itch, and then I will come back and serve you. Well, how'd that work out? The same way it'd work out for you and me. We can't, we can't have a little side plan, a little side journey. We got to put it all in God. We got to just be steady Eddie. We got to just, we just got to say, you know, this is where I'm supposed to be. It doesn't look exciting, but I don't have to have exciting because he's inside of me and he's exciting. I said, he's exciting. I get my bills paid. That's exciting. I, I, I get prayer for my body and it gets healed. That's exciting. My kids grow up and they're, they're winning people to Jesus or whatever. That's exciting. You know, you just got to change your excitement level. Going to a rock concert is not exciting to me. Did I, did I surprise anybody there? <laughs> Only rock concert I've been to was a Ronnie Millsap and a Charlie Pride concert. <laughs> and when I did, I had on I had a, a, a five gallon uh, a ten a ten X Beaver Stetson, and I had uh, well anyway y'all can't even handle that. Hallelujah. <laughs> so you know you got to change your excitement. What excites you? Jesus excites me. I get excited about him, and then he says, you know, you had not seen everything I got. Let me show you some stuff. And he starts exciting me with a new life. No, it's not the, it's not the rock concert life. That doesn't excite me. Getting drunk or getting high or whatever, whatever those things are, I don't even know. But Jesus excites me. So you got to change your life so that he excites you. Because you'll never get it without him. It'll all fail. It'll all, it'll all come apart. Let me see if I'm reading this all right here. Okay, uh, looking unto Jesus, verse 2, the author and the finisher, the developer of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, who, Lord Jesus, endured the cross, the joy, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Say, he finished. He finished, because in another place it says that we are seated with him in heavenly places, so that where he went... That's where we are. That's exciting. I'm going to finish that course. I'm going to run that race. And I don't care if we have dull Tuesdays and unexciting Wednesdays and Thursdays that didn't do much. I'm on course and I'm going to stay in my slot. I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm going to stay at the right speed. I'm not going to hurry up and get ahead. I have gotten ahead of the Lord and it did not go well for me. Y'all ever miss God? Of course you did. That's how we learn to hear from God is because we get, we, you know, we have a crash or two. But he always put, picks us back up. So going on, i got to finish this. In verse uh, for 3, for consider him that endured such contradiction. Now here's the contradiction. The contradiction is as Moses is at 40 years. Y'all know how long 40 years is? It's longer than a long time. It's long. 
In 40 years, nothing happens. And yet God's just sitting on the edge of its seat, of its seat, waiting for Moses to get thrown into the Pharaoh fray, waiting for the children of Israel to get a deliverer and, and fulfill prophetic words from, from way back. And everything is going to work out. All the pieces of the puzzle are coming in. But Moses is the key to all of them. And he doesn't have a clue. You reckon? Not much. And he's saying, there's a contradiction going on here. I was called, I'm important, God's got a plan for me, but I am keeping my father-in-law's sheep. And that's a low job. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you know. And there was a contradiction. And there's a contradiction of your neighbor, a sinner, that does not serve God, drives a better automobile than you do, goes on vacations better than you do, has, it tells you we just paid off the, the Aspen uh, condo and, and all this stuff, and you're over there, dear God, can we just pay the bills this month? Help me, Lord Jesus. There's a contradiction. It's a contradiction. And to be a finisher, you've got to ignore, you've got to put aside, you've got to put the word in and say, this is not a contradiction to me. It's the tribulation of the world, but greater is he that is in me than this world. And you have to endure the contradiction. You have to endure it. You have to get past the contradiction or you won't be a finisher. Point yourself with me and say, be a finisher. You've got to endure some contradiction. It says that right there. It says, um, uh, for considered him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And then he reminds us, verse 4, ye have not yet resisted unto blood. Well, yeah, it's hard. Oh, it's hard. I'm having a hard time as a Christian. Ah, uh, you, you got both legs and both arms. They hadn't taken one of your kidneys out. You, you, you don't have motor dysfunction in your nerves. You, you are good. No blood, no blood coming out. This is good. I like this kind of preaching. So uh, in Daniel 10, don't go there, it says, uh, Daniel 10, 12, Barry. It, then said he unto me, y'all know the story of Daniel, and the, he prayed, and uh, nothing came out for 21 days. The, the angel came and says, uh, uh, fear not, Daniel, for from... For from for from the first day that thou didst set thy heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I have come for thy words. Ah, you think it's different for him than it is for you? You think God just says, what? Well, it's kind of bad connection. I didn't hear what they said. Ah, it doesn't matter. We're not going to do nothing with it anyway. Y'all think your prayers matter? You think that the, that the blood that purchased our, our, our relationship with our Father and that he's listening to everything that goes on in your life, and that Jesus has such compassion on us that he doesn't hear and, and jump to take care of our prayers? Don't be a fool. You've got heaven's attention when you pray in the name of Jesus. I mean, angels are lining up. We've got an incoming, and we must take care of this. And so it does. And so... Uh, uh, oh, back to Daniel. Here it is. Thy words were heard, and I have come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in twenty days. Lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remain there with the kings of Persia. This is the point of that is Satan hindered. 
You, you're a finisher? Got a finisher inside of here. There's a finisher in here. Satan hinders. I don't know why God didn't come through for me. Because Satan hindered. Now I want to tell you in your life, in your life, in your life, Satan is a hinderer. And you got to outlast the hinderer. You got to know that that's going on and pay no attention. I'm on course. There's a supernatural grace on my life, your life, our lives, to finish our course. God never listed off and say, you were bad yesterday. I didn't like your attitude. I didn't like what you did. I, you laid in bed when you should have been in church. You could, he never says that. Every day God gets up and says, that's my boy. I like him a lot. Ah, he's a good one. I'm going to take care of him today. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. John 17, 16 says, I'll just read this one to you. They are not of this world. The Lord Jesus is praying to God. He says, they are not of the world, the disciples, even as I am not of the world. Point yourself with me and say, I am not of this world. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. And we're in it. We're ambassadors. We're passing through. And their junk mess and their trouble has no effect on us. John 16, 33, I've already read that one to you. It says, uh, uh, in the world, Jesus said. In the world. Uh, let's read that one. John 16. We were, go we're going to read the verse before it. Are you all okay? We've got to get this out. This is the end of the year. We will not meet again till we get to the other side. 1633. So Jesus is talking. The whole chapter of 16 is red letter. He's talking to his guys. And uh, he finally winds it up in 33, and he says, These things that I've just been telling you about the world, I'm, we're, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. He said, uh, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace in the world. That you might have peace. There's not any peace on earth, goodwill toward men, unless Jesus is in, involved. There's no ceasefires on the Middle East. There's no, there's no negotiations with the Paris Accord. There's no, it doesn't matter what, what you negotiate, what you trivialate. Without Jesus, there is no peace. So the storm can be raging around you, which it does. Your personal storm and then the storm of the culture. But in the midst of it, you got the peace of God inside. I am not moved. I am not moved. I am not moved. I said, I'm not moved. Are y'all not moved? Tempted to be moved? Yeah, buddy. Did you fall back a few times? Oh, yeah. Let me tell you that story. But we're not moved. Today, we're not moved. Is trouble coming? Absolutely. Will it bother us? Mm, it's like a gnat. Mm, it's like a mosquito. You just, you just know it's looking for a fresh spot. The whole family. But it doesn't move you. Come on. We've got to finish. Jesus wants you to finish. If he'd given you something great to do. I've called you to be the preacher to the nations. You are the next Billy Graham. You are the next Oral Roberts. You, oh, and you go, oh, God, oh, God. Oh. You'd line up. You'd go to school. You'd pray every day. You'd read the word. But like God says, I just need you to be steady for 12 years. 
I'm going to do something with you at the end of the 12, but right now I just need you to go to church, get full of the Word. I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost. I want you to get with like precious faith. I want you to stand, and having done all to stand, I want you to stand there for. I need you just to stay in your place until we get to that 12th year. And then stuff that's around is going to come to pass. We're going to pull the trigger, and I'm going to need you to step up and be in your place. Now, if we knew that, we might say, okay. But what if he was saying that and didn't tell you? Because he's saying that, whether he told you the particulars. Because we all have in the Holy Ghost have this thing inside, a knowing in our knower. God wants to use me. Well, I need it to be in a significant way. You go to the back of the line. Kindergarten is back there. The mature man says, doesn't matter to me. I'm bought with a price. I'm not my own. Whatever he needs me to do, little toe, little nail on the little toe. Earlobe, I'm the earlobe. When's the last time you found a famous earlobe? I'm the earlobe. Oh, he wants to use us. He's going to use us. Just got to stay in your place. That's what I'm doing. I'm just staying in my place. I'm not even looking around. Not even saying, could I do better? Could this be something different? I'm staying in my place. Amen. Well, Romans 1 says, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned to visit you, but I was prevented till now. Satan hindered. He hindered. He tried to get you off course. He concentrates on something you pray. That's why we pray in the Holy Ghost. Because the devil can't understand your prayers in the Holy Ghost. He cannot understand. He can't read your mind, and he can't understand tongues. Y'all say amen. He can't. So, but if you say, Lord, I'm believing you. I actually had a couple in my church that, that prayed this. Uh, they said, Lord, we want twins. We want a boy and a girl. We want blue eyes on those boys and girls. We want blonde, curly hair. We want them to be beautiful like me and my husband here. They're wanting to birth this. They're wanting to conceive this. They weren't like, this isn't mail order or something. This is like, we are so wonderful and beautiful. We want to be sure that it's crazy. It gets worse. I could go on that. But I'm just telling you, it don't work that way. You, you don't, that's not the way it works. You just say, God, you are so exciting. Lead me and I'll go. Tell me and I'll listen. Snap your little fingers, Lord, and I'll be in my place. And you know, he can do something with that. The, the story, the parable in Matthew 25, where the master went away and gave his talents, his, his household, he gave it to his three servants, and, you know, one did good, two did good, and the third one went and buried his talent. you got to finish your course. The Bible says that the master came back and said, take the talent from the one that has just one, Take it from him and give it to him who has much. So as soon as you and I get in line and say, Lord, I'm, I'm your man. I'm your, I'm your girl. Just tell me what to do, and I'll just stay steady. He says, take the talent from them that, that don't care, don't know, don't, don't give a rip, and give what they have to you. Suddenly, with no idea that provision and supply and help is coming, suddenly from those that are slackers, that won't do, that are rebellious, Suddenly, you have their stuff to finish your course. What you didn't know could happen all of a sudden becomes very available to happen. Our job, God's job, God's job, to do the impossible. Say, he can do it. Oh, come on. He can do it. That's his job. He's good at his job. He always does his job. He's never late on his job. He does his job, which is the impossible. What's my job? What's our job? To believe that he does the impossible. That's the only job I got. Well, sometimes I have to do the impossible too. No, that's not your job. That's his job. Do not get them mixed up. That's his job. 
He does it good. He's good at it. My job to figure out the impossible? No, that's not my job. My job is to believe he will do the impossible. Now, I can be good at that. It's called faith. What's faith? It's just believing God will do the impossible because I can't touch it. I can't even think that. I can't even go there. My life, personally, just my life, you could have never figured it out. I sure couldn't, and nobody else could have looked at me and said, we know where this is going. Nobody knew where I was going. Sent me out here with no money and said, I want you to go out there and just wait on me. I'll talk to you when you get there. <laughs> oh, yeah, Lord, yeah. And I called pastors all over the nation and said, can I come preach in your church? Click. It happened, it happened, it happened, yet he told me to travel. Yay. And I am one tough hombre because I went through that little spell of calling pastors and calling on God because they all said no until they said yes. And then I went to their church and I preached and they said, we want to have you back. And the door started flying open. So, but if I'd, fin if I'd quit, I wouldn't have finished. If you'd quit, you wouldn't be finishing. You'd be starting over. Boy, it's hard to start over. I don't want to. I'm 60, almost 66. I don't want to start over at anything. <laughs> Amen. Okay, more scripture here. It says in Romans 15, 22, For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. Satan hindered. Did y'all get that? Let me read it again. For which cause, he tells the Romans, I have been much hindered from coming to you. This is the Apostle Paul. He was hindered from coming to the church at Rome. 2 Corinthians eleven twelve. For what I do, that I will do, that I might, might cut off occasion from them which desire occasion. He said, I got to do some strange praying, some strange uh, uh, standing, because there's people out there that have an agenda. They are devil-driven. They are... They're self-driven to cut me off. Y'all know there's people out there that don't like you because you like Jesus. They want you to fail just because they don't want to do the Jesus thing, and they think you're a fake or hope you're a fake, so they don't have to do it. Okay, got to move it here. First uh, Thessalonians 2.18. Wherefore, we would have come to you, even Paul, even I, Paul, once and again, but look what it says here. It says, but Satan hindered us. I'm here to tell you it's biblical for the devil to hinder you. He didn't need these scriptures to do it. He's been doing it. Well, how come this thing is going so slow? How come I feel like quitting? How come we want to give up? How come we're discouraged? How come we're disappointed? How come it's working for the sinners next door and that don't ever do God, and I do God all the time, and they're having a big time, and we are getting past due notices? Why is that? It's so unfair. Did y'all say amen? amen? Oh, yeah, that's how it's working. That's how it's always worked. But you just need to know there's a devil, and he's not bothering those folks. He's blessing them so that there will be a contradiction. And you'll look at that contradiction, you'll say, you know, it's ain't fair. And then the next thing you'll say is God's not fair. And that's just dangerous if you say God's not fair, that he doesn't keep his word, that, he doesn't, that he's not beholden to what we pray in the name of Jesus, that he won't uphold his word. You know what they say, if a man's good, his word is good. And if a man's no good, his word's no good. And if a man's word's no good, the man's no good. Is that right? A man's only as good as his word? Well, God's no different. If his word's no good, God's no good. Isn't it the truth? We have Christian atheists who say they love God, but act like they don't know him. Did I say that right? 
They say they love God. They're in church. They, they carry their Bible or not. But they don't, they don't believe. They don't believe the Bible. They don't believe the Bible. They don't do the Bible. You only believe the part of the Bible that you do. The rest of it is mental assent. It's all up here. Oh, yeah, I believe that. Do you do it? No, we don't do that. Okay, Satan hinders. I got, I got more notes than you can be aware of. Hallelujah. Jesus wants to finish your life. He's a finisher. He set the example. He endured all contradiction of sinners. He shed the blood, and none of us have paid the cost of dying for our faith. Nobody's had a gun put up to you and say, deny Jesus or die. Nobody in here. There's people that have, but it's none of us in here. Because them that have are already gone to heaven. <laughs> y'all get that? <laughs> if it had happened, you wouldn't be here. So none of us have had that. None of us are inconvenienced. Matter of fact, the grace of God is so prevalent, is so affluent in the earth, that there's so much grace that you can, you can actually miss church and no lightning will hit you. You can fail to tithe and nothing bad will happen. That's why a lot of people don't tithe Christians is because they didn't tithe a few times and they looked around and said, you know, this ain't bad. Everything's just like it was. I don't see any difference. I believe I'll keep going with this. Not realizing that God's not a punisher. He's a blesser. And so if you tithe, blessings, it just opens the windows of heaven, and it pours, and it pours, and it pours. So much so that Malachi says that you can't even get around to all the blessings. You're just having to pick and choose. We'll take a little of that. Oh, that's already gone. Well, we'll take a little of that. Yeah, here it is. You can't even get to all the stuff that a tither has. That's, what the, that's when they said amen. Amen. So God's not punishing when we mess up. He solved, Jesus solved the sin problem. There is no sin problem. When we sin, it doesn't get counted against us in the sense of God says, you know, we can't let you into heaven if, you, if you're going to keep doing that. And so we're all, we all live under condemnation. I mean, the temptation to be condemned because when we mess up, we think God's mad at us. So we quit going to God because we're, he's mad at us. I'm not going to go around him. My parents, when I did something bad, it was three days before I could get around them. Do you all know those parents? Hallelujah. But that's not the way he is. The Bible says in Luke chapter 6, the Lord Jesus said that he's kind to the unthankful and the evil. God is kind, kind to the unthankful and the evil. You think he likes you if he's kind to the unthankful and the evil? He's in love with me. I'm telling you, God is in love with you. He's in love, he's in love, he's in love. And the Bible says in Corinthians, you know the Lord has to obey the Bible. Y'all do it, but I'm not doing it. No, that's, he does the Bible. And he says in 1 Corinthians uh, 13 that love hardly even notices when others do it wrong. So do you think the Lord's working off of that axiom, that little principle, that law, that he hardly notices when we do it wrong? Well, I'll just do wrong then. No sin costs. When you sin, God, it doesn't bother God, but it sure bothers your future. Does it bother your future when you sin? When you lie, you... <laughs> It's going to hurt. Amen. Where are we? Where are we? Okay. Um, I've got a scripture here. I've got to get to it. I think it's in 2 Timothy. I didn't write it down. 2 Timothy. Let me just, and then we'll quit right here. We'll quit right here. 2 Timothy, let's look in chapter 4. Well, I think we've already read that. 
He sure did, sure did. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Well, yay, I'm keeping the faith. Who cares if you're a Christian rock star every day? Who cares if your life's not exciting? It's much, much harder to not get discouraged with the, with the humdrum of life than it is to have a, an exciting preach every, every other day and have revivals every night and to win the loss and everything. It's more, it's harder to just live a life that's steady and right before God than to do all that other. Because the emotion of that other will carry you for a season. But it takes faith to just be steady. Galatians 6 says, Do not be weary in well-doing, for you shall reap if what? If you faint not. So point to yourself with me and say, don't faint. Don't faint. Well, we're going to receive the Lord's table this morning. We, we do this on the last Sunday of the month. Often. And uh, let me tell you all the rules of the road here on this. The Lord's table is a Christian ordinance. It is not a church ordinance. It is not even a grape juice ordinance. It's not even a special cracker, cracker from Israel ordinance or a flatbread from, from the Jews or anything. I joked with Pam this morning. I said we could do, Coke, we could do Diet Coke and uh, Christmas cookies. Yeah, it's not that. It's not, in that. it's not those things. That's just religious. It's what you do when we do it. And we're going to do it right. So I have a little sheet here. I just... Here, Joy, you help me with that. This is, this is not homework. I don't want to see it. I hope nobody else sees it. But we're going to leave 2018 right. We're just going to go out of the year right. And some things, let me tell you this. Do you all know this? How does salvation come into the body? It's through the mouth. If thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. How does sin go out of the body? Through the mouth. We can't just think. Lord, I'm sorry I did that and I won't do it anymore. you got to say it. you got to confess. Are you all here? So I, I don't want to be a part of your confession. You may not have any. You may be perfect. But as you leave anything is how you go into another. So we're going to leave some junk in 2018 that we're not taking into 19. It's a little time in communion to stop and say, you know, the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all righteousness. I'm going to cleanse some other people from all unrighteousness. I'm going to let them go. Hebrews says that a root of bitterness rises up and defiles many. We can't be mad at anybody. It just, it's just eating you up. So just get rid of it. And you go, well, but they did it and they didn't say that I'm sorry. Christians don't have to have apologies. We prefer them. We, they make us feel better. We got them. We, we, you, you have to say you're sorry. No, they don't. Because Jesus said, I'll take care of you. You go take care of them. So we just do that. We just, it's a free grace that we give. If they say, I'm sorry, then your emotional rim kicks in and you respond to that. But you might not ever let them go in your heart. So this morning, we'll have no emotion. We'll just let go our boss. We'll just let go our neighbor that throws his beer cans over in your yard or whatever. We're just going to let him go. Your brother-in-law, let him go. Amen? And then th that little sheet. Let me have one, too. <laughs> I'll get one right here. I forget. 
We're going to take the limits off our life in communion this morning. We don't normally do it this way, but we're going to just take them off. We're going to say, I'm not dragging anything. Remember that scripture we read in Hebrews? It says, the, the, the weights that so easily beset you, the, the sin, excuse me, the sin. We're just going to leave it here. You got a habit in your life? We don't want to know about it. I don't. The Lord already knows about it. But the power of God can set you free from it. And communion is an exchange of power. So we're going to activate it today. I am ending all campaigns against the lordship of Jesus Christ over me. Everything that says, pick me, pick me, I want to be Lord in your life. We're going to cut it off this morning. We're going to make Jesus the Lord of our life. Will you fail next year? Likely, but that doesn't matter. We get the power in today. So sometime, if not this morning, but sometime, write these in. Because you only will repent or you'll only get free of what you're willing to acknowledge. That's why when you get married, you have to say, I take this woman, I take this man. Just living together doesn't do that. So you're free to come and go and do nothing. But words bind you to the truth. So we bind ourselves to, I confess this sin. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if thou will confess... i got to get it started. I, I can always do it if I get it started. If that will no. Okay, here it is. If you if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this is the way I I confess. What are you going to confess? I confess I've been that I hadn't prayed. I want to pray. I want to pray. I want to pray, but I confess it's a weight that's been against me. And whatever. I always said when we got rid of our dog, I would be able to go into the garage and pray. So I had to find a new excuse when we got rid of the dog. <laughs> I had to shift over. Amen. Now, this is as holy as you want it to be. Thank you. Hallelujah. This is a Christian ordinance. Everybody that's a Christian. Praise God. Do you all see how supernatural it was for us to get out by 11 last week? The first thing that the Bible says in our pattern in 1 Corinthians 11 is that he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which was broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. The remembrance of me is not that he was hanging on the cross. That's not what he wants us to remember. He wants us to remember the victory that came after the cross. There was a two other thieves. There was two other guys up there. They were on crosses. Do we, we remember them? They went... They had their own future. What we're remembering him for is he got victory over the cross and finished for us. He gave his life, which means he gave his blood. Because the Bible says that the life is in the blood. And it also says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So there has to be shedding of blood. And he gave all of his blood. He didn't just have a little cut on his finger and say that ought to do. He gave it all. He laid down his life for us. So this morning... We're going to, first of all, go into 2019 healed. Healed. Chronic, intermittent, things that are scary. If your mother died of cancer, or your father had this or that, and, you, and the doctor said, oh, yeah, well, that's, that's right around the corner for you. You've got you to gotta erase that because we got new DNA. We, got new, we are a new creature in Christ. We are not our natural father's son, our mother's daughter. We are children of God. 
and by his stripes we were healed. But there has to be a power transaction. It can't be just a hoping and a praying. There's got to be a transaction of power. Everything that the New Testament talks about concerning healing, there was a transaction, either by words or by the laying on of hands, there was a transfer of power. Well, we're going to transfer power this morning. We're going to believe and we're going to put a vacuum or a pull on the word for healing today. I am setting myself for healing, to, to, for sickness to end this year. I am not taking it into 2019. And when it tries, if it tries to come next year, I'm going to stop it. I feel you and I refuse you. The doctor said, well, nothing's changed. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. My eye levels are normal. There's a contradiction coming. You just got to stand through it. Amen? So, Father, we thank you for the broken body of Jesus. It was broken that by his stripes we would be healed. He became sick that we through his sickness would be made well. I transact the power of God, the life of God, the ability of God in the word of God into my body right now. In Jesus' name, I say, body be healed. Trouble be healed. Stomach trouble be healed. Back trouble be, be healed in Jesus' name. Headaches, go. You are not a part of my 19 in Jesus' name. I take authority over you in the name of Jesus. And I appropriate the power of heaven in this wafer, this little piece of bread. I appropriate by the taking of his body into my body that I am suddenly and forever changed. Healing is coursing through our bodies. The power of God is changing what was into what is. Thank you, Lord. I receive it. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. I am healed. Would you acknowledge that this morning? If you believe it, acknowledge. Healing has come. Health has come. Wholeness is mine. A change has happened today. In Jesus' name, the chronic is over. I am not afraid of anything. I know who I am, and I know what I have in Jesus' name. Then we take the blood, because he said to. He said, uh, the cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We're not looking at the broken body of Jesus. We're looking at the five fountains that were opened up for us on the cross and how every one of them flowed life into your life. So there was, there was the thorns on his head for our mind, mind of Christ. There was the spear in his side, fellowship with God. We, he'll never leave you or forsake you. His hands to do the works. He said, the works I do shall you do, and greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. Our feet to walk with God. They that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And then on his back, healing. By his stripes, we were healed. There's nothing left out. Everything that you and I need is in this cup. Forgiveness of sin is in this cup. Whatever you did in your past that nobody will let you forget, the devil just hounds you. Well, you know you did this way back when you were 17 or when you were 42 or whatever. you gotta, you got to take it out. you got to take it out. It's a non-event. Jesus solved the sin problem. He took it so you wouldn't have to. So, Father, right now, we give worth to the blood of the Lord Jesus. We give worth to it, Lord, that it's powerful enough to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My sins are forgiven forever. Sins I've done, sins that, gosh, Lord, 
and then sins of the future. You've already looked ahead and taken care of me. I receive that power. I receive that life now. And thank you for it. I'm a new creature in Christ. It's as if it never happened in Jesus' name. Yea, Lord. Yea, I receive a transaction from heaven. What seems to be natural and physical is actually changing my life. In Jesus' name, I receive forgiveness. I release everybody from my life. When it comes up again about somebody, what they did, what they said, what they didn't say, right now, Lord, I remind myself, I release them on December 30th, 2018, and they are forever released. I give them that liberty. I give them that grace so I can receive your liberty and your grace. In Je- Woohoo! Woohoo! Jesus is Lord. Amen. Does anybody need prayer for anything? Well, if you do, just come up afterwards and I'll agree with you. And we'll get the Word of God on that and it'll change. I want to remind you, I got you out before 12. Unless you mess around between here and, and, the, and the door. Amen.